to the DIY Animation Show, where we get to the heart of what it means to be an independent animator. I'm Lauren Morse. And I'm Jessica Dahl. Together with our guests, we'll explore tips, tricks, the psychological, the fundamental, and above all, how to make whatever you can with whatever you've got. From the keys to the breakdowns and everything in between. The timing's right to do it yourself. Let's get rolling! the DIY animation show. Hello! It's so good to have you here. Yeah, yeah! Hey, everybody! Today, we are here with part two of our uplifting interview with creator and director Chinzia Angelini and producer Andrea Enns, talking all about their high-quality 3D short, Mila, which raises awareness about children impacted by war. In case you missed it in part one, we talked about Mila's real-life origins drawn from the childhood experience of Chinzia's mother during World War II, the realities of running a professional studio on donations, an Indiegogo campaign, and a giant team of international volunteers. Whilst also cultivating a fulfilling working environment for those volunteers. So if you missed it, you might want to go check that out. It's pretty awesome. It's really good. (laughs) Chinsi and Andrea have such great drive and courage, which enables them to make a real impact for such a poignant issue. And with these two at the helm, Mila looks like she'll have a very bright future ahead of her. Mm-hmm. So today in part two, Chinzi and Andrea share tips for finding projects like Mila to work on, regardless of your location. Why you should choose a story that's significant to you for your own animated project. Technical advantages of scripts versus storyboards, and how to best balance the two during production. Why the hashtags Let's Choose Hope and Let's Make a Difference are Mila's calling card. Tips for telling a serious story with sensitivity and focus. And, of course, Cynthia and Andrea share the one most vital thing a DIY animator needs. There's a lot of really great stuff in this interview, so let's get to it. (laughs) I actually have a quick question in in regards to the volunteers. Mm I think one of the coolest aspects that you were talking about is, you know, like junior animators or junior volunteers can come on and then they can gain all of that experience and move up through production and they can use the material. That's that's really, really, I feel like I'm saying like that's really cool a lot today, <laughs> but it's true. It's really cool. How did you find volunteers for the project or or if you could give advice to someone in one of those countries that feels separated from productions, how can they find productions like Mila? Let's segment the answer in two different ways. Mm -hmm. Chinsia could probably discuss how we found people and then we can answer that last question. Totally. Yeah. So at the beginning, um, it was more about asking people, uh, people that I knew, like colleagues or friends um, that were in the animation industry, of course, that I probably worked with before. And it was harder, of course, at the beginning because you don't have much ready to show. It's kind of they have to believe in you and the story most of seeing anything like we have today. And then uh, as we progressed uh, and we became a bigger and larger group, of course, it was easier because it's not just you. You have your colleagues that are helping you, even if it's a core small group that will ask their friends. So it starts to kind of a small level, you know, word of mouth type of approach. And then as we progressed during the years, and especially uh, after we had the first teaser and then uh, with being more active on social media and everything, it's we have to turn people away because we have so many people nowadays contacting us that they want to work on Milan. Either they want to work on department that have already been wrapped up, so or um, or maybe we have too many for that department, too many people, uh, or they're not at the level that we want, but we can still, you know, keep in touch and uh, and they can work on their portfolio and uh, resubmit maybe in a few months. So now it's more like, uh, it's of course easier. Uh, we do a post, uh, you know, to, to, to look for people and we find 
definitely someone. Or we ask our team, we have so many people and they're all working in big studios. Hey, do you know anyone that would be interested in? And probably we'll find somebody. So once you have a big team, of course, it's easier to find other people. Yeah, what's interesting too is uh, like before we were very much uh, almost like an intern studio, right? Where we were on the job training a lot, but because we're now in a in a crunch to needing to finish, and but also we have shots that require a higher skill level. It's important that we get more seniors instead of just bringing on juniors because we don't have the time to train and to teach because we would teach all the time, um, which was great and it was it was nice. We had the the luxury of the time, but we don't now, so we've had to adapt. But there are times too when we had someone who come in who's very much interested in animation but not quite at the, the level we need, but we're like, well, we take a look at their, their, their reel, but I take a look at their website. I'm like, oh, wow, I see. You're actually a very strong graphic designer or illustrator. Would you be interested in coming on board in that facet? And, you know, maybe if you continue to work on your animation, you can test and we can see how it goes. And, but at least, you know, if you'd like to be involved, this is another way that you can get involved. Or if we've had people that who were a mod, in modeling and surfacing, you know, back in 2010 and 11 that are wrapped but are like, you know what, I still want to get involved. Well, you want to help me out with production because I could totally use it. And they're like, what about social media? I like this. I'm like, fantastic. So I think it's about utilizing not just looking at it as a tunnel at people and saying, oh, well, okay, you're only an animator because artists are not just one thing, right? So it being open to saying, um, well, would you be interested in going here? And that's how sometimes we're able to get more people involved, maybe not initially what they had wanted to, um, but they're still involved in being creative. And that's helped a lot as well. And sometimes those people have then eventually transitioned into maybe what they would, had wanted to, to do. As to your question about the advice for those artists who are in, you know, faraway lands <laughs> don't necessarily have the studios in their own home countries or the opportunities because this is a instant connection internet global world we are able to research anything everywhere and every anywhere right which is incredible so what i would say is start joining all the animation forums really immerse yourself in in what's out there and do your own personal research on different studios and this and that but then look for those maybe it's going through the crowdfunding sources and see who's doing independent projects and contact them like you know if, if we actually get a ton of people ask us to join because of our indiegogo campaign and say oh my gosh i had no idea i would love to get involved and we've gotten some pretty amazing people from that it's all about doing the research you know and finding the opportunities so that would be my mm -hmm. advice is just search for it. And then don't be afraid to ask, but maintain your high-level professionalism, right? It's very important that you don't just write in a subject line, quick question, because I'm not going to know what that is, and I'm not going to be able to search it, and I might not even answer it in a while, you know? Um, and then be very professional in your letter, and I saw this project, and here's my reel. I'm very, you know, interested, yada, yada, yada. Um, because even though you may be far away or don't have the understanding of how a studio works, most people understand how to write a polite professional email. So, cause it can go a long way in getting you noticed and, and respected, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, no, completely. Well, cause it's, you're conveying yourself like, uh, like that email is all that you really have to go off of along with your reel, of course, but that's your, that's literally your first impression. If you're trying to, uh, uh if you, if you'd like to work in a production with right. someone and you're trying to make contact with someone. And then I, I don't know, I hadn't really thought of that either with uh, crowdfunding and things. Seeing it like a crowdfunding project, I would think that um, that they were really close to actually like wrapping up production as opposed to maybe like in the middle of it or maybe even like towards the beginning of it. So it's really cool. It's like, of course, that's an area that you could like contact people. That's fantastic. Yeah, because people are in many different areas of, of their production when they do a crowdfunding. They might decide that, hey, before we actually do a lot of work, we know we want to pay these certain individuals, so we need a crowdfund so we can actually raise that money so we can start. So they have like maybe the story of the script uh, all worked out or who they want to cast or whatever, but they need the funds to then move forward. Or like us, where we were like halfway there, where we're needing the assistance to kind of finish. It, 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 all, it all varies. So I wouldn't 
shut that door of possibility down. It's just sometimes you have to really weed through and read a ton of different things before you find those few projects that might actually be a solid lead for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like maybe looking for a project that uh, maybe speaks to you uh, personally. Yeah, looking for a for a project, I think it's important. Sometimes, yes, you just you just need experience. You just need something to put on your resume. So sometimes, yes, if you can get on and, and do something quick, sure. But if you really want to have something substantial and also have um, a really beautiful experience for yourself, find something that you connect with. Because don't forget, your name is going to be attached to this if you're you know within the credits. So you want to have something that you're going to be proud of to have your name attached to. So, you know, you might not want to just get on a certain project that might go against your moral standings just because you want a job. You know, it's it's a personal thing for every person. So, so we've done a lot. Oh, man, we've covered a lot of really fantastic stuff. It. We've covered. It's been amazing. Oh, my goodness, you two. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking with us. You know, when we were prepping for the interview, something that we are really curious to ask you guys about. Uh, we're going to switch gears to the heart of why this story and the Mila short is important to you. So uh, just to start, and I guess this uh, this particular question is more for uh, Jinzia. What was it about your mother's story that sparked the need to make Mila into an animated short? Um, well, I think uh, hearing the story of her uh, as a kid, and she... She did not, uh, things could have gone much worse. So no one of the family was killed during World War II. Uh, they were able to escape at night with the bicycles up the mountains and leave the city that was bombed and stay up in the mountains for a year and a half where they had a decent, happy uh, life because um, uh, the war didn't get so high up over there. Um, but still, considering that it went well, the seeing the effects that uh, the times that I spent uh, in the city during the bombings and had on on her really made me think during the years uh, of uh, the trauma and the consequences, not just physical but psychological, that kids have. So that was uh, my drive to. To wanting to do something like this to 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 start Mila. Definitely, I know. I, I feel like that would be um, uh, just what your your mother went through. I feel like that would be. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine what that would be like. And I think it's really incredible and powerful that you wanted to tell her story. Have you faced any challenges when trying to tell your mother's story? Like whether it's a uh, emotional or like or like joy being able to tell the story that's so close to your heart or. Or has it been a very kind of straightforward affair where you're like, I am going to tell my mother's story and that's that. <laughs> that, that. Um, I think it's important for filmmakers that want to be specially independently do a film um, is to pick a story that is very close to their heart because especially if you do animation, we know it's going to last for years um, unless you want to do a 30 second thing but if you want to do a film about an important story for you it's probably going to be over 5 minutes easily and that's going to take if you want to do that a high quality a uh, few years so that's I think an advantage to pick a story that is that you really want to to share with the world that really is close to, to, to you personally um, so that, that's, that's uh, absolutely uh, very very important to do so as far as the challenges uh, um, because of the story that of my mom is actually just a very simple it's just uh, her feeling on how she felt uh, how she felt totally frozen not being able to do anything until somebody would pick her up like a relative or a neighbor and, and run to shelter she was just stand there in the middle of of uh, the the plaza the street wherever she was you know even if the bombers were above her head she couldn't do do anything so that that's um, what was challenging because um, you know when you have a you have a film you have a character the character needs to be active somehow and change the story and push the story forward so that was my main challenge to 
stay true to that emotion that she felt, but still uh, move the f- character forward and, and find a story around it. Mm-hmm. How, did, how did you address that? Um, well, I had uh, several uh, uh, scripts that I wrote on my own, and uh, you write it, you leave it there for a couple of weeks, you read it back, and it's like, uh, no, it's not clear. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, probably a year and a year and a half of that, back and forth, the storyboarding on my own, um, some sequences, so developing it uh, both uh in words, you know, like on paper with the script or visually with the boards. And, uh, and I showed it to many colleagues and people and, you know, asking them to please not be shy and just, you know, tell me if they got this. Did you get this point? Did you get this story point or not? No. Oh, well, then it's not well written. So I, I did a lot of back and forth like that in the first initial phase of the project. And it was very important to do. I think it's nowadays... Uh, even big studios tend to run into production with scripts that are not there and they, they try and fix everything with storyboarding that you can to a certain extent but I think you can develop so much just by writing and it's so less time consuming than starting to draw it yeah that was probably the most challenging thing but I think we are in a good place yeah yeah, I, I would agree with that. <laughs> I, I hadn't thought, I hadn't really considered that the script versus the storyboard. Uh, would you say that each one has inherent strengths then? Because if you did a lot of back and forth, it, it seems like maybe each one delivers something that the other one yeah, doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sometimes you write a page and it looks great. You board it and it's like uh, misses something. So. Um, you you need you know sometimes you are able visually drawing and imagining things to add things that you could not have thought of as you were writing that's why it's important to keep doing that i mean but you need to develop the script to a certain point where it's like okay it's 70% there let's go into storyboarding and see what we can get out of it but sometimes, you know, studios get into production with scripts that are like 10% there. And then oh. you stay two, <laughs> three years in storyboarding. That happens. And it's just, I mean, of course, if you have millions to throw out the windows, fine. Uh, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't really our case. So I knew the script and the, had to absolutely be uh, very strong. And then I did a version, and then a friend of mine did uh, the current version, and I did some parts of that. Because even if I'm the story artist, I, say, I think it's important to try to step back and give your baby to somebody else to board, because they will visually bring something that you didn't think of. And they would right away, a story artist, tell you, mm, I didn't get this. This doesn't work. Let's try this way. Okay, that's great. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's important because sometimes people that start their own films tend to keep it very close, not share it with anybody. And they get it. Yeah, they get it because they wrote it. But you need to, <laughs> you need to share it because once it goes up on the screen, it's going to be pretty much what you wrote. And if people don't get it on the page or on the board, they won't get it on the film. So it's very mm. important to do. Yeah. Yeah. How how do you know when to stick to your sort of heart-held original vision and when to allow that vision to adapt for the good of the project as a whole? Um, well, once you, you have people reacting uh, in a positive way, people that you know, very well, people that you don't know as much, people from different cultures, and they all tell you, oh, great, I loved it. Then mm. you know you're in a pretty good place. <laughs> and uh, so th- then you go from there. As you do this, you should already be developing character design, visual development, because you know roughly what that sequence is going to be about. So an art director could definitely start on creating something that will probably well inform you on things like oh I didn't think about that let's do that at sunset instead of you know midday uh, or stuff like that so even visual development can uh, influence the script Mm, yeah but you definitely have to be willing to hear those 
more mm. harsher feedback, if you will, because especially when you're so close to it and you wrote it, you're personally connected to it and not take offense and realize mm. it's all for the good of the project. And yeah. especially if you get the same note several times by several different people, then you really should pay attention to it and maybe not scoff it off. But yeah. then when it all comes down to it, it there are certain things that Chinsia, I think, instinctively and just uh, intrinsically knows certain things that she needs to put her foot down and say, no, well, then let's keep troubleshooting until we get this concept. I'm not willing to, you know, change my vision on this thing. And that's mm -hmm. important as our, you know, director and, and leader, if you will. And then other areas where it's like, you know what? No, you're right. Let's, let's shift because it makes sense and then it's not going to, you know, because when you make these big changes, too, especially if you're in a big studio, that costs money and time. So you have to think about those things as well. Mm -hmm. well were there any big changes that, like, uh, like you had held a particular vision close to your, to, close to your heart and then you realized, like, you know what, that's actually not, well, from what everyone's talking about, that's actually not best for production? Well, what what for Andrea mentioned before, initially I wanted it to be painterly, like very painterly. We had a test done uh, that uh, was that, but it was not manageable and not uh, thinkable to do that on a larger scale. Um, you need like an R&D department at a big studio to be able to pull that off. Mm. So, you know, I was talking about doing Mila Painterly for quite a while. And, uh, and at a certain point, uh, you know, I started to see other things coming out. And I said, you know what? We're just going to do like a CG, regular CG look, with beautiful lighting and uh, uh, painterly textures more than just... And uh, and I think it worked out. We, 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 yeah, we were able to keep the poetic aspect of it that I wanted to, to get with the painterly look into mm. the look that we have now, I think. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems like... Um... Uh, it seems like it was uh, almost a really nice compromise where you almost got like the concentrated version of what you wanted to get with the painterly effect at your current version, which mm. again is just, it is so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so Mila is largely a story about the child survivors of war and what they experience, which is a very serious mm -hmm. topic. What tips do you have for telling a serious story with both clarity for the audience uh, as well as sensitivity for those affected well, I think uh, it's important, um, like I said before, to be totally um, close to that topic, especially if we talk about strong topics, um, because uh, it's not going to be easy to sell the film because it's animation and most animated films uh, are expected to be, you know, entertaining and fun. So you're not going to get so much support from investors because they don't see that as a revenue, you know, especially because it's a short. So if you if you want to talk about something like that, you need to be prepared to have a tough time ahead of you because uh, it's not what uh, it's expected from animation. Mm -hmm. At the same time, uh, if you're able to develop it in a certain way that it really is... Uh, talks to people and is compelling and, and interesting, then it could help you, strangely, uh, to raise more attention about that topic because it's so unique and different and, um, and particular that uh, it will, like it's happening with us, attract more people to, to that topic. I don't know, Andre, if you want to add anything to that. Well, for us, we had no intentions of making a political film or uh, um, um, necessarily a movement kind of a film. We just wanted to make, well, I wanted to be a part of the film that Chinsia wanted to make. And it's it just is so socially relevant, especially now, more so now than when we started, just because of, you know, current things that are happening, unfortunately. So I think it's just a matter of keeping the balance with staying, like, you know, there's no dialogue, like she said. We don't pinpoint any people or soldiers or or countries or um anything of that nature to to bring uh attention to the actual war itself more to what is happening with mila and uh sophia which is the woman who who saves her so mm -hmm. it depends on what your purpose is if you are really wanting to make a project that is really hard hitting and in your face and and controversial maybe or whatever your purpose is 
then I guess you just need to understand the kind of climate you're going to be stepping into, especially when answering those hard questions. Uh, so I guess it's just really understanding what your true purpose is for the film first that can help dictate your approach moving forward. Chinsi, do you want to mention the the bomber and how that yeah, was? Yeah, I was, uh, I was just yeah. going to mention that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Mila is all about the you know the kid Mila uh, the girl and uh, and she's supported by mostly Sophia the woman that saves her and that she spends you know most of the film with and uh, her mom in her dreams and uh, because she's dead and all the background characters that of course represent you know the civilians that are uh, also affected by this of course. But I didn't want to show any um, any soldiers, just to, in particularly, to stay away first to stay away from any political, you know, aspect of things, and second to just focus on the children. Um, the only representation, of course, we had to have something, otherwise, who was bombing? So we only see bombers flying over the city, and uh, there. We don't see anyone inside. I mean, it's just too dark to see to see any uh, pilot or any anything. Um, and when we we had to uh, model the and design the, the model the bomber, I actually pulled from all different uh, uh, bombers from uh, World War Two, and we oh, did really? a mix. So if you ask an uh, expert. Whose bomber is this? He won't know because it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So it's just our bomber and it's called 91 on the tail of the bomber. There is a big 91 because the day, the big day when many people died in Trent in World War II, uh, 91 bombers were bombing. So that's the only mm, thing that is actually uh, historically true. Uh, for for the bomber, otherwise uh, is in purpose. We just want to be as universal as possible because we're not just talking about World War Two. World War Two is kind of the war of war is kind of uh, symbolic uh, for what war is. Uh, mm. but Mila wants to be as universal as possible in all senses. Yeah, mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like that frees the film too in the sense of um not focusing so much on historical accuracy because then again you can just really get to the heart of what the film's about and what's important right yeah um which i, I feel like would really which uh, uh really resonates with mm. yeah i think it feels like it feels like it manages to avoid kind of laying blame at anyone's feet you know that's that's not the thing that the film is focusing on you know on a specific nation to blame or anything i think that's a really nice way around it mm. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously some undertones there as far as like, you know, not wanting to go to war or this is what happens, you know, the, the collateral damage when, you know, when this decision for war is made. But it's also, you know, a, a story of hope and strength and, and coming together and compassion and, and rebuilding and, and, and uh, your life through a tragedy so it's mm. it's that which is just as important and how resilient and amazing children are right pretty layered when you really break it down mm. He's, uh, he also talks about women uh, because we have all sorts of uh, women represented because uh, Mila represented the child and the innocents and the victims of course the youngest victims and then Sophia the woman that saves her represents uh, the woman that uh, survives and tries to give hope to uh, her children and, and, and tries to find a future with what is left. And then we have Mila's mom, they represent all the women that actually died in war because she, she just comes, we just see her in uh, Mila's dreams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've seen that you have two really lovely hashtags that you use to promote Mila. Um, let's make a difference and Let's choose hope, which are really wonderful. Why did you choose those hashtags to represent the film? Well, let's make a difference. Is is what we want to do. We are not here just to uh, create art and do a nice film. We're here mm. to, like Andrea said, to create a movement and to actually make a difference. And and what we usually say is, if um, if one of the 
kids that will watch Mila will be one of the future leaders and somehow when he has or she has to make a decision in the future some frames of Mila will come back to her or his head you know all the work would have been worth it even if we change only one person one one future leader or one future you know adult that will make a difference in it his way or her way. Um, so that's, of course, the hope is to make a more impactful difference than only one person, but that's what we want to try. So let's make a difference sounded just just perfect. And like Andrea said, it's a film about hope, about giving hope. and Finding uh, hope. Yeah, about the hope that kids give us in a way and the strength that they give us so that we... Hope is a, it's a very strong part of... Uh, us as human beings without hope we you know the the world would probably have been gone hundreds mm. of years ago mm-hmm. um so yeah if i may too especially in in the wording especially choose hope right it's mm. it's super easy to get lost and dwell in in the negativity of things, especially different. And you don't even have to have gone through war to be going through your own little you know war story, your own little personal struggle, right? So every day is a choice to walk in hope, to find the joy in things, and to to make decisions and and making your life better as best as you can. So it's not just about being hopeful. You have to choose to be hopeful because that's where your strength comes from. It comes from you actively working towards positivity. Positivity doesn't just happen and rain on you. It's unfortunately just not always that easy. So if we can make a difference in helping people choose hope, choose compassion, that, you know, would be extremely um, rewarding for what we're trying to do. How do you feel animation can bring positive change to the world? Uh, I think animation is uh, is a very strong uh, uh, tool for uh, to communicate, uh, you know, strong messages. Because uh, in a way, even if an adult is watching uh, an animated film, um, it kind of lowers all the. Uh, it's kind of it goes back to being a kid in a way a little bit and it i think it's easier to reach out to their souls it's like tapping into their inner child again yeah right so, right exactly yeah so it's a, it's a very uh if if an any if film in animation is well done it touches um so many people and we see that on feature films you know that had a huge box office is not just because they're entertaining but because they have to say something they have like a, a a strong message to it it's not easy to do it's very very hard thing to do uh but if uh, you're able to do that with animation i think it's very very powerful oh that's great yeah <laughs> oh my god it's just amazing sorry i'm pretty much like wow you're right <laughs> me too it's yeah Okay, I'll just hurry up and ask my last question. Sorry. <laughs> you're good. You're good. You're good. Guys, I'm um, so gracious. You guys are so cute. Thank you. Oh, thank you, guys. My last question is, what are your hopes for Mila once it's finished? The first thing is, like, we want to send it to all the film festivals and uh, make as many people as possible aware of the project, of course. But mm. also, uh, once the film festival circuit is going to be over and that, usually lasts around a year, a year and a half uh, before you go through all the festivals. Um, We want it to be an ongoing project in the sense that um, um, we want uh, to bring it to, you know, schools and make probably a book out of it and keep going with what the message is about and trying to make a difference with with it and and keep the uh, movement of making a difference going we don't, we don't just want it to be done once we're done with the festivals. That's not the purpose of Mila. Right. Well, that sounds really good. Mm-hmm. How did you approach UNICEF? Andrea? Just to preface, UNICEF uh, isn't um, an active day-to-day kind of a thing at the moment. It's just been a really wonderful mm-hmm. support that they've given us uh, in their statement, which 
we assume and uh, we would get more involvement once the film is complete. Yeah, UNICEF <clears throat> is going to be more involved in uh, um, sh- like sharing uh, Mila once it's actually done. Oh, okay. So, I mean, they're on board, but they're not, like Andrea said, like uh, um, involved in a daily basis. No, that's really good to know. How did they come to find out about it or did you reach out to them? Oh, that's, that's an actually... Inter- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, that's an interesting one. Um, it's actually uh, part of uh, our presentation when we go to festivals uh, and studios like we've been uh, doing in the last few months. Uh, me and Andrea go to uh, talk on uh, like how we basically producing such a high quality film um, with uh, no budget pretty much. So one of the uh, topics is talking about the importance of social media and uh, UNICEF actually came from uh, a tweet, a direct tweet that uh, I did to the head of UNICEF, the representative in Italy. And uh, he responded, he accepted, you know, he followed me back uh, so I could direct message him. And um, it went from there. And six months later, they came on board. So that that's how important social media could be for independent production. And on, not only, but especially for independent production. Mm-hmm. For me, if I like, if I were in that situation, I, I'd be intimidated to be like, oh, how do I, how do I like even tweet to them? And well, be like, you after, what do I say? after a few years <laughs> of doing this, you don't, you're like shameless. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, you don't even think about who you're talking to. You just want to promote the film and telling them what you know. M- my thinking. Was was like we are actually uh, here to talk about the same thing and children, you know, and taking care of children, children in war. So UNICEF is all about that. So I just tell, told him about Mila, what we who we are, what we're trying to do, what is our goal. Very short, you know, message. And uh, he answered back. He started looking at the the website and asked me questions. We went to emails and then. Um, I actually went for the recording of the trailer music, the music of the trailer in April in in Italy, and uh, and so we were able to coordinate a meeting. So I met them all, uh, and I think a couple of months later it was official. So that um, UNICEF Italy is uh, is backing us and uh, will support us once we are done. Oh, that's so mm. cool! That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And it, and it just seems like it just goes to show too, just like, again, another reason why, like, it's really good to pursue uh, these independent, like, personal projects is so that you can have that courage to reach out to people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, it's a good training for sure. You learn so much at all levels. So I definitely encourage anyone that wants to be a director or producer or to to go through something like this. Just out of, like, my own curiosity. So when UNICEF uh, gets involved later, will it be with sharing uh, obviously sharing Mila around, I imagine, or will it like, uh, you think on their website or is that like, yeah, one, yeah, kind of to be determined, but what, from what I understood once uh, they, they need to see the final product and see that it's actually out there because they cannot, you know, promote something that is not finished, of course. So mm-hmm. I think they'll be able to do like a press release and all of that once we are done and, uh, and, just uh, use their channels to to promote it and make it uh, visible to uh, reach out to many more people that we could otherwise do on our own. <laughs> Rule number one: complete. Uh, ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool, amazing! Oh, thank you so much for answering that, Lauren. Lauren, do you have any more questions about Unison? No, I don't. I am <laughs> satisfied. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> That's that's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, Jinzia, yep. Andrea, yes. we have one final, final question, actually. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, in your opinions, what is the one most vital thing DIY animators need for a big, ambitious DIY projects? Courage. Yeah. Why do you say that? Uh, because it takes a lot of courage to step into something without... Uh, studio backing it backing you without uh, a budget uh, without uh, 
many things, you know, like a support a group. You have to basically create everything on your own. Usually when you go into a project at Studios, everything is there for you. You have the assistant, you have the supervisor, you have the structure, you have the pipeline, you have everything. You have a marketing department pushing your film. If you are on your own, you have nothing. So you have yourself, you have to believe in yourself, and, and then you will slowly gather a group of people that will believe in yourself, in themselves, and go forward. But it's a lot of work, so it takes a lot of courage to do that. I would also <laughs> say um, patience, um, especially if you're going to be working on a volunteer basis or do it yourself you're not gonna like Cynthia said you're not gonna have everything available to you so you're gonna need to have uh patience and a cool te temperament to um, maintain a great work environment and also know that you know things are gonna go wrong or they're gonna not necessarily be done in the time frame that you may hope and just you need to be patient and understanding and and have a really strong core team like if if the, your your development team or just having the good the, the strong partnership with your director and your producer or you know whomever is coming together as your core driving force in the engine has to be super duper solid they have to be on the same page and it's not that Chinsy and I don't necessarily have discussions where we might have two opposing viewpoints but we always come together and find whatever's going to work best for for the project and we're always communicating with each other about every facet so that we are always on the same page. So we're setting up a foundation for the rest of the team. So that is extremely crucial as well. Those are great answers. Thank yeah, you guys thank so you. much. So Chinzia and Andrea, it's been so lovely talking with you both. Thank you so much for having us. It was super fun. And we just appreciate the opportunity to, you know, to share not only about Mila, but also about how we're doing it and hopefully to inspire more people to be creative and, and take a chance on their own, yeah. you know, dreams. Absolutely. Yeah, Thank you so much. Where can people find you both and keep up to date with the progress on Mila? Uh, we have our milafilm.com uh, website, which is pretty comprehensive. So www.milafilm.com. Uh, also, if you are so led and inspired and would like to contribute uh, in any way, uh, we also have a donate button. So, you know, not going to be shy. If you'd like to help out, we would love to, you know, receive that assistance. Uh, but also you can get us on social media. You know, pretty much our handles are Mila Film, you know, uh, on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, etc. If you have any questions or anything, you can also email us at info at MilaFilm.com. Perfect. Yeah, that sounds great. Yep. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll make sure to have those uh, links with the blog post associated with this episode so people can mm -hmm. click them straight away. Thank well, you so been... much. Yeah, no, thank you both. It's been really wonderful speaking to you this evening. Just the real passion you have for, for Mila, the project itself, and the story behind it. It's really wonderful. It's quite moving, actually. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Completely. Hopefully we'll move the world. Also. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I no no doubt, no doubt about mm. that. There man, no, thank you guys so much for being on the show and again, best of luck with Mila and just I don't know, thank you guys for pursuing this project also and raising awareness about such uh such an important topic. Thank yeah. you. It means yeah. a lot. Thank you so much. I, I want to be really cheesy and say Let's make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Don't be cheesy. Do it. Let's make, yeah. let's make a difference. concludes our lovely interview with Chinzia and Andrea. Thank you both so much for your time and your insights and thoughts that you've shared today. It's been really, really good. It's been fantastic. Thank you both so much for being on the show and speaking with us and telling us all about Mila. It's just, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Mm, it's been a real eye-opener for me. Very, very much so. So like in regards to what they talked about, I am a sucker for practical tips and mm -hmm. Wow, like they 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 <laughs> delivered on this one and I just oh my goodness. So 
few things that I really super loved. I really liked their notes on finding work through crowdfunding campaigns and also how to approach those project runners. I just did something that like makes a lot of sense when you hear it and I had never considered it before. And mm -hmm. yeah, I just thought it was really, really smart. And it's something that I want to try out. Just like browse through Kickstarter and see what projects are going on. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see what else did I really like. I also really, really liked the idea of giving the script that you wrote or like, like you have your script and you've storyboarded it out and basically like you hand off the script to a trusted friend and or a collaborator and see how they approach it. And I, I thought mm -hmm. that was really cool. And just with all of that, I also really loved hearing their work and what they're about from their, what's the word? Basically what like what drove both of them to create this short and work together and work with other people. And mm -hmm. I and I think really just what that captured for me was um, you can really capture and express an emotional, impactful experience. Children of War is a pretty heavy topic, and especially when it's something that, you know, a member of your family experienced firsthand. I thought it was really cool that you could capture something that that impactful and with that potential for like resonating basically through very solid, practical storytelling devices and skill sets. So it just really drove home for me, you know, like the more that you know the fundamentals of your craft, then the more equipped you are to tell any story that comes your way or that you want to tell. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. <sighs> Love it. <laughs> basically, where are my books? open these up right now just got to get to study and then got to get got to get to tell the stories <laughs> yes yeah mm -hmm. that's so good i i just really admire Cynthia and andrea's commitment and their drive and their belief in mila belief in all that the film says and speaks to and belief in the fact that it will make a difference mm -hmm. i just find that it's just brilliant. And so I think with Chintzy and Andrea heading up Mila and with all the volunteers and Mila family that they're gathering as they go along, I just know that Mila's legacy will be wonderful. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. They believe in it 100% yeah. and they're 100% going somewhere. It's just really cool. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> so good. Love it. Love them. Tears. <laughs> All the tears. All, oh, my gosh. All the tears everywhere. So if you were as inspired as we were, <laughs> and <laughs> if you'd like to keep up to date on Mila, the Mila production, the short film, all of it, there are a couple of things you can do. One is you can visit their main website, milafilm.com. They post all their updates there. And, of course, you can follow them on all of their social channels through at Mila Film. And that's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. If you search for at Mila Film, it'll show up and they're there. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget to check out and spread those Mila hashtags. Hashtag Let's Make a Difference and hashtag Let's Choose Hope. And if you would like to donate to the film and help them get it across the finish line, you can do so on their main website, milafilm.com. That's M-I-L-A film.com. Uh, and you'll see a big red donate button on the front of the homepage there. It would mean a huge, huge amount to the whole of the Mila family. So few cool things. Since interviewing with Chinzi and Andrea, we have some super exciting updates for Mila. One, the film is now sponsored by Autodesk and Toon Boom Harmony. Hooray! Yay! Woo! So, like, that's super, super cool. Huge congrats, guys. Fantastic job. Yes. Second super cool one, the Mila team were at the Game Developers Conference of 2019 promoting Mila and their brand new text-based game through their partners at AVM Labs. So that's right, Mila has a video game now called Mila Moment, and you can play it now. Yeah. <laughs> Super good. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, not only do they have a game, but that game was named one of the top 10 coolest mobile games at GDC 2019 by CNET. So that's pretty huge. Heck yeah. Jeez, guys. Just being Mega super congrats awesome. on that. <laughs> so good. I definitely can't wait to play the game. I'm so excited. I love a good text-based adventure. And I love Mila. So it's like, bam. 
Oh, two things in one go. <laughs> Best of luck to Mila and everything that the future holds. Yeah, for oh. sure. So good. We'll also have all the Mila links that we've mentioned, the game, social channels, the website, all of that in the blog post for this episode on diyanimation.show forward slash diya19 that's the number one and the number nine so you can go check it all out there and find it all in one handy place Mm -hmm. so with all of this awesomeness all this coolness that wraps up season three of the diy animation show yes what a way to end a season no kidding lauren how did we get here it's the end of season three already i don't even know time passed and Magic happened, and here we are. And here we are. And now we're going (laughs) to enter a a different but still magical time known as the DIYA season break. (laughs) Oh, Oh my goodness. So, (laughs) So as we enter our season break, we're going to kick it off next month on Wednesday, May 15th, with more info on Lauren and Mai's trip to Denver Pop Culture Con. And, of course, following that, we'll have our usual season break content which we'll update regularly on the blog. Yes. And we will be back with season four of regular interviews on Wednesday, August 21st of 2019. Nice. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can catch all our fun season break content on the blog at diyanimation.show and all the updates on our social channels. So for Instagram and Twitter, that's at show, And of course, we're on Facebook. And if you'd like to support the creation and running of the show, which huge thank you if you want to and are able to. Thank Mm -hmm. you so, so, so much. All that you need to do is go to our website, DIYanimation.show, and follow the donate link at the very top of our blog. Or you can go to coffee.com forward slash DIYA show. That's ko-fi.com forward slash DIYA show to throw a coffee our way. In the meantime, stay classy, have fun, and we'll see you in the season break. Yeah, see you there. (laughs) Make sure you follow your heart and have fun animating. Yay! Bye, everybody! The DIY Animation Show is an indie production from your hosts, Jessica Dahl and Lauren Morse. Our theme music was provided by Azure Flux. Subscribe at DIYanimation.show. If you liked this podcast, maybe you'll enjoy more art and story podcasts from our friends at the Oatly Academy of Visual Storytelling. Featuring insights from some of the most inspiring voices in animation, games, biz effects, comics, and children's books. Find them at friendsofdiya.com. We'll see you next time. Bye! Adios, muchachos. See you real soon. See you super soon. It's gonna be a blast. May 15th. Listen to the, the, the announcement, May 15th, or <laughs> August 21st, if you want to just jump back in for interviews. <laughs> <laughs>